Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the very first, the premiere episode of Films of Fury with Sergeant Fury. I am your host, Sergeant Fury, Dan Roberts. I am beyond excited to begin my podcasting antics with you, brought to you in part by Anchor that you can get in your uh, app store if you're an iOS user, or uh, in the app store with Android devices. Like I said at the uh, beginning of the podcast, my name is Sergeant Fury Dan Roberts, and tonight we are going to uh, we're going to have some fun because this is a list that typically I would do these lists on my Facebook Live show. Um, you can look for me at Films of Fury on Facebook. You can also find me on the Twitter and the Instagram at the Sergeant Fury. Uh, tonight we're going to do top 10 superhero films of all time. All right. So we're just going to have fun with this list. Of course, we're going to do the typical, you know, we're going to go from 10 to 1 and we're going to have some fun with this list. And I'm going to give you some explanations as to why I picked particular uh, superhero films. This is going to be, this is my list. This is my list. Once again, I have to stress that. So when this goes up, you know, you can comment on it. When I, when I put the link on Facebook and Twitter, feel free to, to comment and tell me, you know, why you think my list is complete and utter bullshit. And also, uh, what your top 10 superhero list would be. Uh, I must warn you that if you're listening to this, uh, on speakerphone or in the car with your kids there will be some naughty language said uh i am a parent myself so i'm gonna give you the spiel that i'm gonna give at the beginning of every one of my episodes so here we go uh ladies and gentlemen uh you will hear explicit content you will hear swearing you will hear words that are inappropriate uh if you are a parent and you feel that these are words you don't mind your kid hearing hey that's on you as a parent but don't get offended and send me hate mail about oh my god you said cunt or fuck or shit or twat. It's like, hey, you literally turned it on and I have given you forewarning. So, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. And if you want to turn me off, you've got three, two, one. All right, here we go. So we're going to start off our list with probably one of the most controversial, I guess you can call it controversial, uh, superhero films of all time. Now, this, this honestly is... is it made my top 10 for a multitude of reasons, but the, the version that is on my top 10 is not the version that was released in theaters. So my number 10 is the Watchmen, the Black Freighter edition. So first off, the Black Freighter edition was released on Blu-ray in late uh, 2009 after the film and had a lackluster uh, debut, the Zack Snyder superhero epic you know i don't think uh i honestly don't feel that movie fans were ready at this time for for the watchman the watchman come out now i think you know and, and a hard r um and really going out there i think this film would have done a lot better uh but i think uh you know when the when the teaser trailer dropped at the beginning of the dark night and everyone's like holy fuck they you know they made the watchman this is awesome uh, for those super hardcore fans like me who was like jaws dropped like holy shit they actually did it and you know at that time Zack Snyder was coming off of 300 which you know came out in 2007 which was awesome and of course his remake of Dawn of the Dead was was awesome as as fuck it, it was really cool it made the the zombie films pop again 
But I don't think Watchmen uh, Black Freighter Edition gets as much credit as it, it deserves. It's I've often said with Zack Snyder films, Zack Snyder is what happens when you give an obsessive compulsive a shit ton of money and you just say, go make this comic. He literally went through every single uh, panel of his, you know, the Watchmen graphic novel, which is, you know, one of the most stunning graphic novels of all time and award winning. And everyone hypes it, you know, it's, it was the only graphic novel to make it on the Times top 100 uh, novels of all time. And it, it, it was a beautiful film. I thought it, it stayed almost 90, I'd like to say like 94% accurate to the graphic novel the only problem was is that you know i've had this conversation with uh a friend of mine grady dixon and he even said it's like he was too much a slave to the source material but at the same token i think that that's why it's on my list is because i enjoy the fact that it was so to um the source material so we're gonna start off like i said uh number 10 watchmen the black freighter edition uh, number nine, Blade. Like, okay, a lot of people do not give Blade the credit that, you know, it deserves. It was a, a New Line Cinema horror movie in the mid-90s when you had all these, you know, big rubber suits, rubber nipple, Schumacher, you yep. know, $20 million for one cast member, $50 million for another cast member, Batman films that you know were so over the top and were marketing basically for mcdonald's happy meal toys and kenner and then blade comes out uh under under the umbrella of new line cinema and new line cinema at that time you know it it, it, it new line has always been the house that freddy krueger built no matter who owns it and at this point they were they had not released a, you know a lord of the rings film yet and Blade kind of came out of nowhere. And, you know, Stephen Dorff in that was great. Uh, Donald Logue, who plays Bullock in Gotham, was in that film. You know, you had a, a cameo by Shannon Tweed in that movie. Chris Christopherson uh, was outstanding in that film. And, you know, Wesley Snipes. I think people forget how badass Wesley Snipes was in the 90s. Like, everyone talks about... You know, Jean-Claude Van Damme or Steven Seagal. It's like, you look at, at Wesley Snipes in that movie, he did the majority of his stunts in that film. And that was really him going out there and doing those martial arts. And as a as a film, his relationship with Chris Christopherson's whisper, uh, I'm sorry, Whistler, um, it was an awesome film, and I don't think that, that people put it in the same vein as some of the other comic book films. Uh, you know, it was a Marvel property that, you know, I had known basically because of the Spider-Man cartoon on Fox Kids on Saturday mornings. That's how I got introduced to Blade. And then to have Wesley Snipes, who was in one of my favorite films of all time, Demolition Man, come out of, of left field and just knock that shit out of the park and be like, guess what, bitches? You know, I'm Blade. And, he, you know, one of my favorite lines of all times, uh, you know, in any film is some motherfuckers always try ice skating uphill. And it's like, holy shit. Like, you, you know, sweet Christmas can kiss my ass. That's one of the best one-liners of all time. So, number nine on my list is Blade. 
we're going to go from that film and we're going to go into the modern era. We're going to jump right into to phase two of Marvel Studios and Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to, to people who always who, who were not Captain America fans and were not sold on the first Avenger and really didn't like him in the, the first Avengers film. This was the story that turned it around for a lot of people. And this was, you know, the film that made a lot of people suddenly start liking that red, white, and blue, you know, Shields t-shirt that you can get at Walmart or Target or, or Hot Topic. This was the one where it was, you know, Marvel has a, finds a niche for each one of their characters. And the Winter Soldier was essentially their spy film. It was their Jason Bourne. It was their their 007. And I feel that Chris Evans' performance in that film really solidified that Captain America was right up there with Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man portrayal as one of the most important characters within the MCU. Uh, you, you had a lot of layers in this movie. It wasn't a simple A to Z origin story like Phase 1. And it wasn't, you know, lackluster like Iron Man 3 was. This took, you know, the Captain America character to the next level. Um, Sebastian Stan's Winter Soldier was was a formidable enemy. And plus you had a lot of cool stuff that was, was underlying in this. Robert Redford, um, you know, being a... a a Hydra agent for God's sakes. And then there was the cameo of Gary Shandling, you know, doing the, you know, hell Hydra. It, it was well layered and it was a lot of throwbacks to some of the stuff that happened in phase one. So, and of course, Anthony Mackie's Falcon, you know, Falcon was kind of a joke on uh, robot chicken. You know, when, whenever they would do the Mego character representations of any of Marvel's, you know, stuff within their claymation, and you'd have, you know, they may have, they may have wanted Tim Meadows, but they got the Falcon. It's like, now the Falcon was a badass. And I thought it was really well done. And Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow took the next step in the evolution of her character, where she's sitting before a congressional hearing, and she's just like, you know what, you can suck my dick. I Fuck you, I released this, and I don't give a shit about my past. At least everyone knows about it. I don't have to live with all this red in my ledger. So, number eight is Captain America, the Winter Soldier. So, we're going to go into a film that I have talked about religiously over and over and over again. Uh, and, and I'm going to browbeat it into, into your brains that I think this is one of the best films of all time films hands down uh number seven on my list and some people are going to wonder why it's so low on my list but we're just going to roll with it and i'm going to give you my reasons because as soon as you start seeing the other ones at the top of this list you're going to be like holy shit this is this is a good one uh the dark knight uh, yeah the dark knight wasn't in my top three holy shit people like i know you guys are probably wondering why um the dark knight was an awesome mafia movie. The Dark Knight was an awesome Christopher Nolan film. The Dark Knight was an awesome superhero film. 
it may not have been the truest representation of Batman. Okay. Uh, but I thought that The Dark Knight was absolutely one of the best superhero movies of all time. It's not top three, which, you know, definitely is going to shock some people, like I said. But I feel that Christopher Nolan told a very good cop drama, mafia drama, almost in the same vein as The Departed, but he did it with Batman. I almost feel in this film, Batman was was just a background character. The real character in this was the police force. The real characters in this um, were Harvey Dent and Jim Gordon. And of course, the Joker, who's like, you know, the ultimate hitman for hire. And that's kind of how he was represented. Heath Ledger's, you know, Academy Award winning performances, Joker aside, you know, it, it came off as, you know, just a deranged hitman working for the mob, taking out law enforcement. It just happened law enforcement, and this one was Batman. And it's weird to think that this movie came out the same year, just a few months later, after Iron Man, which kicked off Marvel Studios' odyssey that, that brought us to the recent Infinity War and, you know, the 10 years of Marvel Studios. And so... You can imagine that there are probably one or two people being like, holy shit, it, it didn't even break your top five. Yeah, it, it's a great superhero film. It did a lot for superhero movies. It made a lot of money. But to me, it's, and it wasn't exactly the truest, but I'm putting it on my list regardless. Number seven, The Dark Knight. Okay, so number six, which is funny because I just mentioned it a few minutes ago. Uh, number six on my list is Iron Man. The original Iron Man, the one that started it all, the one that, that led us to the snap heard around the world. Uh, Robert Downey Jr., when I had heard that Robert Downey Jr. was cast as Tony Stark, Iron Man, uh, slash Iron Man, uh, in this movie, I was like, oh, it's perfect typecasting. You have an alcoholic playboy you know, character uh, being played by an actor who had had a lot of bad spells in his life. You know, the... The story of Robert Downey Jr. is infamous, for lack of a better word. Uh, as soon as I heard that you had Jeff Bridges uh, was the villain, as soon as I heard that Gwyneth Paltrow, of all people, was going to be the love interest, I'm like, they're doing some really cool stuff with this film. You know, Terrence Howard uh, was the original roadie, and I was sitting back like, okay, Stan Winston Studios is making the suit. Let's see how this plays out. Let's see how they pull this off. And I thought that Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, Iron Man was just spectacular. He, there's there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I think it was quite possibly one of the best um, Marvel Studios movies. In fact, if, you were, if I were to ever do a Marvel Studios list, it would be hard not to put this at number one. But for all intents and purposes of my list, I'm putting it at my number six. So, suck it. All right, we're in the top five top five up in this bitch so my top five is gonna be uh quite possibly the best spider-man movie ever made in my opinion number five is spider-man 2 uh toby Maguire's uh spider-man at this point you know he's he's having some problems with his mojo by this point you know he's he's not his spider senses aren't working his powers are, are going away you know he's He's watching his his love move on, you know, in you know Kirsten Dunst's uh, Mary Jane, and you're introduced to Alfred Molina's Doc Ock, 
And Doc Ock, to me, whenever I, I watched the cartoons or read the comics, he kind of came off... You know, he was always he was always an awesome character, I guess. But there wasn't any humanity. There wasn't a driving force. Alfred Molina's uh, Doc Ock was unbelievably well done. Like, there were layers upon layers on this man, you know, from the death of his wife in this accident to being almost a mentor to Peter Parker and, you know, the the, the arms that were talking to him directly from his spinal cord. And there was that awesome Sam Raimi Evil Dead style throwback slaughter scene in the hospital when they're trying to take the arms off of him and they come to life and they're like oh fuck no it's like that the the camera angles and the way that that was shot it threw me back to dark man and especially it threw me back to you know evil dead 2 dead by dawn like just the way that they did that you know all someone had to say was you know work shed in the background and i would have totally been transported into that ash williams universe and you know uh, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man trilogy ended terribly, and I think that that kind of soured everyone. You know, number one was was a great start. I think Spider-Man two, you know, lifted superhero films to a different level, especially by in two thousand and four. Like it was like, holy shit, this is this is outstanding. You know, had we not had emo Peter Parker in Spider-Man three, I would love to have seen what four and five could have been. Uh, but for me, the standout Spider-Man movie of all time is Spider-Man 2. So that's number five. Okay, so number four is... It's going to be hard to argue this one. It's, to me, the best X-Men movie of all time in the X-Men universe. Uh, it is Logan. I said Logan was, without a doubt the greatest of the X-Men films. I said that on a, a list last year right after I saw it. Uh, I waited to see it in order to judge it properly, and I judged correctly. Uh, Logan was such a phenomenal film. Uh, you had the culmination of the Hugh Jackman Wolverine portrayal. We'd had him for 17 years from the 2000 debut of X-Men, and all the way up to even his cameos in uh, First Class this film this film set him on his way it was almost like there's nothing better i can do i'm giving you everything i've got it was right after deadpool so they were able to do a hard r you know within the first three minutes of the film you knew where this franchise was going to end you knew it was going to be blood you knew it was going to be guns it was going to be the uh, a combination of old man logan which of course due to copyrights with certain characters they couldn't give you that full story but it was this old beaten down wolverine who was you know taking care of an ailing professor xavier you know just over the mexico border you had the introduction of his daughter x23 laura and you know daphne uh keen i believe was her her I, her last name sorry can't remember it right off the top of my head I try and like shove all the superhero shit in there all the time and it doesn't always work but did a phenomenal job of of playing Laura and I won't lie I sat in that theater 
and up until recently this was the first time that i saw an entire theater full of people just sit through the end waiting for an end credit scene and they left the theater completely silent like no one said anything it was almost like everyone was in mourning including myself like no one knew what to say what they had just watched and i think it was a fitting end was i angry that it wasn't up for any oscars um for for best actor best supporting actor oh fuck yeah i thought it deserved way better treatment than that but you know you you can't fight critics and you can't fight the academy so you know you might as well tell them to to eat a dick in your own opinion but yes uh number four is logan so we're in the top three holy shit and i know that that these next ones are going to 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 set some opinions on fire but that's what we're here to do that's what we're here to do on films of fury because once again this is my list and if you don't like it you can you can you can eat a dick number three this film just hit its 29th anniversary the other day and we're going for broke on this and i know there's going to be some people who are like how is this not in your your how is this not your number one and i will explain why it's not my number one Number three, Tim Burton's Batman. I had to put it in my top three. I know I've argued with people over, oh, it doesn't deserve to be in the top three. But I had to go back and I had to look. Summer blockbuster films changed, especially marketing-wise, with Batman, with the 89 Batman. You had Jack Nicholson's Joker is the Joker that people think of. Michael Keaton's Batman, I've gotten into arguments with people over which Batman was better. Was it Bale Batman? Was it West Batman? Was it Keaton Batman? And I remember a world before there was a Keaton Batman. But as far as it goes with, with the cinematic Batman universe, it's like Michael Keaton's Batman. You, this is, this is the test of time when it comes to Michael Keaton's portrayal of Batman. You could tell the universe tomorrow. They could report on it, CNN, uh, Hollywood Reporter, ComicBook.com, you know, Kevin Smith's Fat Man on Batman, whatever you wanted to do. Could tomorrow report that Matt Reeves' Batman, the first Batman film, is going to be Batman Beyond. And they're bringing in Michael Keaton to play the aging old Batman, Bruce Wayne, that we know from the Batman Beyond series. And you would have millions of people being like oh fuck yeah they're the franchise is saved that's how great michael keaton's portrayal of batman is is that you could have him especially after coming off of spider-man homecoming when he was the vulture and his his birdman film where it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek you know jab at the superhero genre you could totally have michael keaton show back up and be batman you could have him say i'm batman and audiences around the world would be like oh fuck yes you are and you deserve to be saying that once again it's like not that Ben Affleck's Batman was was the drizzling shits or anything quite the contrary I do like his portrayal of Batman but I definitely think that audiences audiences have a certain bit of nostalgia and a bit of love for the Keaton performance of Batman and the one thing that I, I love about it is is that if you look at that film it was the it, it was a send up to the to the 1938 um dark knight that was represented where he was fighting the mob and then of course in in issue one of batman it's like his first two villains that showed up in that were the joker and catwoman 
And, you know, it's cool to think that Batman 89 was, you know, the Joker, and then Batman Returns was Catwoman, Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. So it's like you you had those two villains right off the rip, but especially in the two Keaton movies. But number three on my list is is the Keaton 1989 Batman. So we're at number two. And to put this one on the list uh, so high up and it being so new is going to be controversial in and of itself, but I'm not afraid to take the heat on this one. Uh, Number two is Avengers Infinity War. In my opinion, I cannot say enough great things about this movie. Is it the greatest comic book film of all time? Nope. Is it right up there at my number two? Yup. And the reason why is, is that in watching that film from beginning to end, that literally, to me, was like reading a giant graphic novel. The way it looked, the way it felt from the beginning opening scene to the end credit scene. It felt huge. It felt epic. It felt massive on so many scales because this was all of the characters uh, with the exception of Ant-Man and the Wasp and Hawkeye that have been really introduced and prominent in all of these films and they were right out there for you they were you know they were given to you balls out you got to see them at almost their absolute best if not past their best And you got to see all of these characters that for 10 years now they have been building layer upon layer and upon layer with. And all the new characters that they've introduced at either the end of phase two or in the, you know, the beginning of phase three. And they were just all out. And I think the Russos did a phenomenal job of hooking you. And Josh Brolin came in. And one of the knocks on the Marvel Studios uh, villains are, is that they're disposable. Is that, you know... This superhero's film is going to have disposable villain number eight. And up until recently with, you know, um, Killmonger for for Black Panther and the Vulture for um, Spider-Man Homecoming, really the only good villain there's been is Loki. And then, you know, you've got Loki in this film, um, but Josh Brolin's portrayal of Thanos. And although Thanos wasn't, exactly what he was in the in the comic where he was the mad titan and all he was was just this brutal killer and you know he wanted to get the gauntlet and kill half the the universe because he wanted to make death wet you know what i mean um you know he wanted to get his groove on with death it it, that was replaced with a very understandable story of a man who who lived on a planet and watched its resources dwindle and he kept saying, hey, the planet's going to fucking die. And people were like, well, go fuck yourself. And he just watched it happen. And he, he knew that he could get this infinite power because, as he said in the movie, you know, resources are finite. The universe is finite. So he's going to go out and he's going to collect this power. And when he collects this power, as soon as he snaps his fingers, he's going to make sure that the people that are left are going to live happy and healthy lives. And, you know, he's going he's gonna to stare off into the sunset like, a fucking farmer and just live out the rest of his millennia just just growing crops or whatever the fuck he planned on doing and in this film I feel that they gave you a villain that was you could understand it as callous as he was and also it was a real threat that's one of the other things that all the villains even Ultron like in in Avengers 2 Ultron wanted to just drop a city 
from the atmosphere. Like, that was his master plan. It's like, and I feel that they used James Spade very shittily as Ultron. Like, Ultron was supposed to be one of the big villains. Mandarin in Iron Man 3 ended up being a shitty villain. Cro- uh, Crossbones ended up being a shitty villain. Like, these villains that were, were phenomenal in the comics didn't translate as these one-shot villains. They didn't give you a story. It's like ever since that end credit scene in Avengers 1, we've been waiting for Thanos. And then once he showed up, it was like, holy shit, he, he's Brock lesnar the entire fucking Marvel Universe. And this is amazing. And then you get to the end and you're like, I don't know whether to hate you or like you. And I think that's a great, great villain is that you want to understand him, but at the same token, he's the villain and you fucking hate him for doing what he just did to your heroes. And I think that that is what put this at my number two on the list. So number one in the top 10 superhero films of all time, as voted on by me at Films of Fury, uh, Superman, the motion picture. Now, I know that there's going to be some people who are like, fuck you, Dan. That, how, how is Superman number one in comparison to Avengers? Like, go fuck yourself. But it was the one that started it all. It was the superhero movie that started it all. If you go back and you look at the original Dick Donner, Superman, the motion picture. It was, it was a real... There was a lot of reasons why this deserves to be number one. But we're going to go back and, and we're going to start from the beginning and just work our way up. First off, this was the first time that, that you saw Superman just being Superman on screen like they had really good effects for the time and I know this isn't like the George Reeves you know series you know this is this was awesome this was a superhero movie that wasn't you know pow zap and wham not hating on Adam West and Burt Ward but this was this was uh money was dumped in this you had Marlon Brando was in this film you know you had um if I'm not mistaken Mario Puza wrote this the screenplay for the film uh this was right off the rip you had gene hackman you had christopher reeve you had margot kidder you had like i said marlon brando you had these these phenomenal actors were coming in and they were taking these these very one-dimensional characters at you know at certain points and they were making you feel for them and you had the introduction of zod general zod was in this one i mean it was phenomenal you saw the destruction of Krypton. You saw Superman's origin story where, you know, the Kents found him in a crater all butt naked and he lifted up the, the busted ass farm truck, you know, wrapped in his cape. And then there was the creation. The one thing that I've, I've kind of hated about the Zack Snyder Superman is they haven't given us a fucking Fortress of Solitude. It's like the creation of the Fortress of Solitude. And Superman shows up to Metropolis and, you know, it just goes from there. And... Yeah, some of the jokes were cheesy, but fuck, it was Superman. He was making you smile and feel good. That's what Superman is. He's the ultimate Boy Scout. He's like the symbol of good in, in comic books. Like, he's the good guy. And you, know, you had Gene Hackman, who was a, a cool Lex Luthor. And you had Tess, Miss Tessmacher. And, you know, Otis. And yeah, his scheme was about real estate. But who gives a shit? Because it was 1978. And... Yo, know, at that at that point, it was hokey, yeah, but it was cool. And of course, the the ultimate joke is Superman going backwards and and you know reversing all the bad shit that happened with the missiles and the earthquake. There's some people who are like, man, fuck that. That 
That's stupid. It's like, go fuck yourself. I think that honestly, Superman won. If it wasn't for the success of Superman won, and if it wasn't for Christopher Reeve, you know, first off, not needing a, a rubber suit with muscles, not needing a muscle suit to begin with, just looking like Superman would. And if it wasn't for A-listers like Marlon Brando, you wouldn't have had superhero films trying so goddamn hard to, to be made. I mean, you look at uh, Michael Uslan trying for 10 years to get you know Batman made. And then once Batman was made, it was like a superhero explosion. And then 10 years later after that, you had the X-Men being made. And then you had Chris Renault, uh, Batman, uh, you know, the Dark Knight trilogy. Superman 1 started it all. You wouldn't have had studios taking chances on superhero films if it wasn't for that film being made. And another reason, and I think Superman the motion picture is so important, is Superman the motion picture set in motion for Siegel and Schuster to get the byline back on their character that they created that they got fucked over by, uh, you know, decades prior with copyrights and all that other shit. It's like you had... Uh, Superman the motion picture was the first time that you had a fucking byline for Siegel and Schuster on anything Superman since the lawsuit that they lost, you know, after World War, or, you know, prior to World War II, but then, uh, you know, after World War II when they pretty much lost everything. It, you had, you finally had a, a piece of redemption. And to me, that might not be, you know, big to your regular mainstream film goer, but as a fucking comic book nerd, like that byline meant everything and those two guys are synonymous you know they're the fathers of of the superhero genre you know argue if you want you know because it's superman people like to shit on it but let's face facts if if you are enjoying any bit of of superhero fandom nowadays you can thank Siegel and Schuster for what they did 80 years ago in action comics number 1 so not bad for a couple kids from Ohio right um, okay, so that's my that's my top ten list. Now there were some that that are honorable mentions, and I'm just gonna throw a couple out there for you. Uh, another Batman film that would have made it on here was Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. Uh, a friend of mine, Franz Roddy, and I talk about how that's one of the greatest Batman stories ever told. Um, the introduction, really, if they could translate that onto film, that would beat uh, the '89 Batman in my opinion. It was one of the best Batman stories ever told. Um, Hellboy. I thought Hellboy in 2004 was, was revolutionary for comic book films, especially the director's cut. Like That was a great one. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, I felt, was the best film of, of Phase 2 for Marvel. That definitely deserves some credit. You know, It, it, it definitely set up Chris Pratt and, and Dave Bautista as, as standout actors nowadays. I mean, you look at those two... Um, and, and they came out of nowhere, basically, after that and just started wrecking shit. Uh, Wonder Woman, uh, of course, I, I have to put her on my list. Um, she's probably been the best Disney, uh, Disney, DC Extended Universe solo movie, or at least the most commercially successful to come out. And I mean, a lot of that has to do with Gal Gadot's performance and, and Chris Pine's performances in that. just It was a solid origin story. It was It was very well done. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they do Wonder Woman 1984 and, and go forward with that. And I'm going to throw one out there that people will be like, wow, holy shit, you're, you're really digging with this one. But let's go with your Wes Craven Swamp Thing. 
I thought Wes Craven's Swamp Thing for being a B-movie was a fantastic superhero film. And I think people forget about that one. I mean, Wes Craven has been synonymous with, you know, the Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream, uh, Last House on the Left, Hills Have Eyes film, you know, franchises and all that other stuff. But let's remember, he did Swamp Thing. I mean, that was a phenomenal movie. I mean, it was a little hokey, doesn't exactly age well, but... Not all films have to age well. It would be fucking amazing. So that those are just a couple of honorable mentions. All right. If you enjoyed this, of course, uh, like, comment, share, subscribe. Um, I don't know exactly how I'm going to arrange this because this is really a test episode. So let's consider this, you know, issue zero of the Films of Fury with Sergeant Fury podcast. So if this ends up making it, awesome. If it doesn't, hell, I'll release it eventually and it'll just sound cool. But let's keep our fingers crossed and hope this translates over well. Uh, I'm Sergeant Fury Dan Roberts. So, like I said, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at the Sergeant Fury. Uh, follow me on Facebook, uh, Films of Fury. And as usual, stay classy, as Ron Burgundy would say. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. And uh, stay furious. Have a great one.